Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky. For one final time, I have Nom with me, mate. Nom, how are you? I'm good, mate. We made it to the end. This has been a fun, this has been a grueling, uh, it's st- stretched many podcast sessions. Uh, there was an, a Boxing Day marathon, a couple of late nights after returning back to work, but we're, we're finally here. We're in the rooftop, the final the final stage. So we've gone through the beer garden, gone through the foyer, gone through the club level, gone to the penthouse, but only these 10 players, the best 10 players, in my opinion, in the NRL era, make it into their own little area. And the collection of plays here, multiple positions, multiple uh, spending of decades. You'll see the number of seasons, the resumes. It's all here. So we'll start off with number 10. Uh, just beating up Benji Marshall, like I said in the last podcast, it is Steve Beaver Menzies. 246 NRL games, 11 seasons, 8 peak, 109 tries. We'll come back to that. 10 games for New South Wales, 6 for Australia, 1 premiership, 1 time lock of the year, 1 time second rower of the year and an Australian Rugby League Hall of Fame member. So the reason why, for me, Beaver has to be in the top 10 here is just because of his try-scoring ability as an edge front rower. 109 tries, and again, this is a player who lost seasons here. His peak was 98 to 05. That's where he went over and scored a bunch of his tries. But what he did for Manly, you know, one club man, again, really did show that you take care of your body if you treat your club right, and, you know, you've got some talent, you can go a long way. And 10 times out of 10, this is the best career for me for Beaver. He did everything he could in the game. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I know we're focusing on, you know, NRL era and, you know, what what's happened in Australia here. But uh, I think, you know, what we've just read out doesn't do him justice. He's actually only played half his games here in NRL. I'm looking at his full resume here. Um, what he's done, you know, over there in Europe as well. He's got a total of 477 games. His career has spanned over 20 years from 1993 to 2013. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't talk about um, Menzies out, you know, his try scoring, but also his defensive capability as well. He was, you know, as, as good as he was you know, over the line, he was just a rock in defense as well out there on the edge. Yeah. So, Again, this is probably out of all the players here, he's him and a guy we'll get to in a couple of positions here are the most effective. But with Beaver, he had, actually has 180 tries. He's third on the all-time list in the NRL because from 93 to 98, we're not covering that five-year stretch. Then, like you said, from 09 to 13, he went overseas again. So just a tremendous amount of football you know, when you look at the total resume, 477 games, 238 tries. This is a, this is a guy who yeah, he played a little bit of center early on in the career, but most of it's from the edge from 12 or 13. And he was just an absolute weapon. To be able to have a guy like that and that try-scoring ability on an edge, it just speaks to the type of talent he had. Because again, when you look at Steve Menzies, it doesn't really look physically imposing, does he, compared to some of the names we've read on this list, right? Like, you know, we've had some absolute specimens in the game, but he was just one of those guys that went in there and, and did his business. But one more note quickly before we move on there, you know, there is a couple of things. He missed out on a couple of uh, second-round of the years because he was um, obviously before 
1998. But, you know, if you just look at some of his try scoring ability again, um, a bunch of this is, you know, this is from from 1994, which we're not counting, but you think of an edge second row, 16, 22, 20, 13, 20, 13, 6, 12, 11. They're just the tries. That's up all the way through to 2002. Then even as we're like late in the career, 7, 8, 7, 4, 8. Like still able, and then even his last season in Manly, when he's you know basically on his last legs, another thirteen tries. He just knew how to get across the line. Famous moment, probably the scoring that last try and the drubbing in the away grand final, getting the hands up and just putting the ball down. Classic Beaver, and again a very deserved member. You couldn't, keep, I could not keep him out, even though he had that many games, that many tries and accolades outside of our parameters here. You just had to put him in here. Yeah, it was a fairy tale finish, wasn't it, for him in the NRL. That's it. Number nine. Again, could have been higher. Had to be in the top 10 somewhere, but I've slotted number nine for Greg Inglis. 265 NRL games, 15 seasons, nine peak, 150 tries, 32 games for Queensland, 39 for Australia, so the 30-30 club. One golden boot, three premierships, one Clive Churchill medalist, one-time fullback of the year, one-time 5-8 of the year, two-time rep of the year, and a one-time Willie Lewis medalist. So it's a very long, impressive resume for GI. Again, another player who kind of had to find his mark in which position he was able to be dominant in because he was just dominant in so many. Kind of broke through really in the centres, um, you know, was just a stallion there. They moved him into a bit of 5'8 when they didn't have a 5'8 to partner next to Kronk. And then obviously, I think a lot of people know him probably best for his work at fullback with the Rabbits. And that's including, you know, we did speak about in the Sam Burgess podcast, they probably don't win the grand final without Sam Burgess, but a very close or even tied maybe is if G- 2014 GI, which is still in terms of highlight reels, you know, we talk about Hano 9 Turbo 2021, 14 Inglis at his peak is right up there. Yeah, um, that's the thing. He dominated in so many positions. Um, I was surprised here that he was actually. Five eighth of the year as well. Um, that totally slipped my mind. But yeah, when I think of prime English, I think of him in sort of two positions. It's in the center. I'll always remember back to that centenary chess in town eight, him and Gaz. And then I'll think of obviously him and his rabbits dominating at fullback. He you could pretty much just have him anywhere on your team, and he had it. He had it all really. He was size, power, speed. Yeah. Yeah. The the centenary test is a fantastic. Uh moment to remember him by because really the way he just leapt for that ball incredible you know there's probably in the in the all the guys that played in the NRL era was probably three guys that could have done that and he was obviously one of them you know he was he was unfortunately one of the guys that Melbourne had to let go right you know they had that big three of Kronk Slater and Smith he was probably the best equipped guy, in my opinion, to go to another team and succeed. You know, he was ready to kind of break the shackles of that system and be a leading man. And my goodness, he what he did, he he really just got every ounce. And there was always injury concerns. I even think back to another one of the moments I always remember him is scoring that try in the 09 grand final against Para. Just really broke my heart. You know, we... We just scored. I remember Parramatta just scored after half, well, down at half time by I think two tries. Growth scores pretty early on, like I want to say in the first like three or four minutes. And then literally five minutes later, GI bulldozes his way over and it's like, okay, great players win great games. And that's exactly what he did. He did it for Melbourne. He did it for the Rabbits. 
famously, you know, probably the most, I would need to check, but probably would be at least in the top five tries of all time in the state of origin. We talked about the Darbs podcast, absolutely made Darbs representative career. He was just a modern day wizard. And the biggest compliment to GI right now is every young, big brooding fullback winger center comes through the grades now as the next Greg Inglis. And that's probably, you know, as we get to a lot of the players we've spoken about so far, there isn't that next guy, but there is a thousand next GIs in the comp. And that's probably, you know, imitations is the best form of flattery. And, you know, the comps, it's an easy comp to go to because Inglis in his day is best case scenario for any footballer. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, Latrell always gets compared to Inglis and um, you've got the Suwali as well. He's, yeah. he's got to be compared to Inglis. Just... When you have the all three, the size, the power, the strength, um, speed, sorry. Yeah. It's a fascinating combination. But number eight, it is the highest ranking forward in the list. So I have put Big Petra 7 receiver number eight. I had to get him into the top tier here. There had to be a big prop, and he won out for me. So 309 NRL games, 15 seasons, 10 peak, 33 games for Queensland, 45 for Australia. So we're in a 30-40 club now. Three premierships, one time front row of the year, and an Australian Hall of Fame member. So, big pet, uh, you know, we've spoken about it with all these guys, all these front rowers, all these mean potato, all these, you know, give me the ball, tuck it under my wing. If I had a game, if I was picking a game to, you know, win just a one off game or a one off season, and I just needed a forward to say, give me X amount of hit ups, X amount of meters, X amount of tackles, there would be no doubt I'd pick Petro. You know, he just had a motor and that's what I loved about him. He just, his first minute was as good as his 55th minute. You know what I mean? There was no, there was never any drop off. You know, those legs would just keep churning and churning. He again, you know, similar to Webke and why I kind of give him Petra the nod. He, he left Brisbane and did it elsewhere. He went to the Panthers and really made that a force. And really, I think even those, I think it was only what, a couple of seasons there, gave them some stability and gave them something that they didn't have before. And when there's a guy of that stature that walks into your locker room, it just elevates the guys. And I think, you know, the guys I do at one club is obviously very special, but if you can go and do it and really show your dominance in another one, that's where it's at. Yeah. hundred percent. He was, I guess, just massive in stature. He was, um, yeah, he's probably, yeah, the best Monday forward in my memory. And he was just, um, yeah, I guess the presence he, he would have had just in any locker room, you know, um, I think everyone would have respected Big Pet. And um, yeah, I don't think I can add anything else, to be honest. He was the first guy and why I'm, you know, there's guys that's like close to your heart and that you just have fond memories of. I remember he was the first footballer when I went to the games with my dad and we saw him coming off the, the bus and I saw the size of Petro. And I was like, holy crap, like that is a, you know what I mean? Like there's always those things of could I ever in my wildest dreams play football, seeing a guy like Petro walking past you, like, no, I wouldn't play. Like that's just the type of guy he is. And he must, there must've been like that to some of the players on the field. Cause whenever he was on the field, you know, a, a moment that is probably replayed a lot and probably not the greatest replay is when her hire put him on his ass um, late in his career. But you know what I mean? Even though there's things like that, you know, no one ever laughs at Pet. You know, that's just the respect he has around the game. And you look at the, the rep jerseys is kind of the telling point for me. So 33 times you played for Queensland, 45 you played for Australia. 
obviously got the three premierships, which is a it's a very rare class to have three or more. Um, yeah, to me, writing this list, I knew a couple of players. Obviously, knew Cam and Joey, but I knew my best front row would be Petro, and I knew I had to be in the top one. I had to, no matter how I had to finagle the list around to get him in there, he just had to be because for all these modern day props that we look at now and say what can they become there's not enough comps to petro because there's not many guys like petro so that's why i had to have him there but we'll move on to number seven in my opinion the the guy that could have challenged number one if we included pre-1998 it is brad fitler at number seven 184 nrl games seven seasons i've got all seven as peak seasons so that's 98 to 04 12 games for New South Wales, 16 for Australia, one Golden Boot, one Premiership, a three-time 5-8 of the year, one-time rep of the year, and a Hall of Fame Australian Rugby League member. It's not, it's his seasons, Nom, from 98 to 04. If you just gave me, give me the best peak, it's right up there. It's top three at least. And again, if we were able to include all his early stuff, um, he'd be a lot higher. He didn't really... He didn't. He unfortunately didn't get a chance to really change the game from when he was playing. He played a little bit of lock, then moved into the five eight. Hadn't really done be done before, so that was something that it was you can kind of tip your hat to Joey uh, to Freddie, but the other guys ahead just unfortunately gave a little bit more something else to the game. But what Freddie did in those seven seasons was absolutely remarkable. What, what are your thoughts? I've got a nice stat to show you exactly the dominance of what he had. But what, what do you remember about Freddie and the place right now, right here on the list? I guess about Freddie, he was pretty much the ultimate competitor. I know you're not including what he did, you know, pre-1998, but, you know, he dominated at centre, uh, he dominated at lock, and he dominated at 5'8", and, um, yeah, I, I think he was just uh, a champion footballer, and, you know, to take the um, the Roosters, captain them to three grand finals in a row, um, it, it's, it's an awesome feat. Oh. You know, you think about, you know, greatest memory of Freddie. There's a couple, you know, Origin sticking the hand up score on that try on the fairy tale return. Having the bloodied headband in the O2 grand final, Villa Sandy took his head off. There's a lot of Freddie moments. And like I said, from consistently, you know, you think you think about the, the three straight grand finals, O2 to O3, O4 to finish the crew. Obviously made another one in 2000 when they lost to Brisbane. Um, there was a couple of prelims in there as well. He just, when he was on the park and then that Roosters team was firing, there wasn't a better leader of men. You know, again, it didn't you think about the physical traits of Freddie, right? And all the guys that have come and that will be ahead of him here. Not the most, hasn't got the most speed, hasn't got the best footwork. Passing game, you know, it was a good, like a, it was a great passing game, but there's a lot better throws of the ball in the comp. You know, kicking, I've seen bigger boots. Um didn't goal kick, so it wasn't that a tool to win. But even though he had all those things I just said, he still was able to, you know, be one of the best captains we've seen, be one of the best playmakers and leader of men. You know, only 12 games in his well, 16 for Australia. That could have eased. Why can't that be? If, you know, he played later in the career, why couldn't that be like Petro's 33 and 45? Just an immense player. And obviously we've seen what he does with the coach. We've seen what he's done with the coaching now. Maybe later in editions, we bring in the coaches as well. But yeah, Freddie is, if you had a guy, in, if you just had to build a team for NRL era and you just had to win a game or win a season, you'd be very hard pressed not to pick Freddie as your six or 13. Because to me, again, you, 
he's given us seven seasons, seven peak. He walked out of the game on three straight grand finals. And, you know, you think about the grand finals, he lost, you know, they obviously smashed the Warriors. Very close against Panthers. That could have gone either way. Very close against Bulldogs. We, we could have talked about three straight grand finals to finish a career. All of a sudden, then he has four, you know, the, all the different things that were there in play for him, but he had an absolutely stellar career. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, this might be my new South Wales bias, but, you know, if we talk, talk, talk about Immortals, um, I think his name shouldn't be far from the top of the uh, next Immortal list. Oh, when, when you think about the names on the Immortals, that's why when, when uh, again, we love Benji here. Benji was number 11, but when they were talking about, you know, him getting an Immortal spot and, you know, no one really p- vouching for Freddy, it just kind of blows your mind sometimes that we get caught up in the moment. But he had a great career. We'll move on to number six. It's Billy Slater, 200, sorry, 323 NRL games, 16 seasons, eight peak, 191 NRL tries, second most of all time, 31 games for Queensland, 30 for Australia, 30-30 club, one Dalian, one Golden Boot, two premierships, two Clive Churchill medalist, three-time fullback of the year, one-time rep of the year, two-time Wally Lewis medalist. So with Billy Slater, the case is pretty simple. When you think about his out-and-out fullbacks, um, career of a fullback. He's probably got the best career. Um, there's another guy we'll talk about who split time in that role. But when you think about the way the modern day number one pl- plays, um, you know, Lockyer invented it, Slater perfected it. Um, the speed, the class, the ball skills. Again, not a fullback that had a kicking game on him. It was all about deception with the eyes. It was about the first step, trying to get that bit of acceleration, looking for the gaps. Think about the, you know, the best Billy Slater moment. You can't go past number five on the wing, Billy Slater, taking the the chip and chase over Minicello's head out of all plays when Minicello was the fullback. He just has the highlight reels. He has the resume. He's easily a top six player in the NRL era of all time. Yeah, that's right. Um, probably, he'll probably go down in history as the best fullback of all time. Um, he pretty much just his positioning, his support player, you mentioned it there, pretty much all fullbacks these days just modelled their game off what he did. And um, he just pretty much perfected the role. Yeah, and like I said, um, Lockyer definitely invented it from going into the one to the six. um, And he was like that real first one to start ball playing and, you know, get his hands at second receiver. But Really, when you look at the way that Melbourne deployed Billy Slater, it wasn't just the sweet players. It was those tricky ones around the ruck. It was, you know, following the chases. They, Jamie Sow and the Dragons implemented a rule to kick dead every time to avoid Billy Slater returns, and that ended up becoming the seven, the six again, you know, seven tackle restart off the dead ball. You know, that's that is a Billy Slater rule. That's what you need to call it. That, um, again, the the the, the shame about Billy Slater's career is. What could have been? He also had another injury that really pegged him. And, you know, that 212 tries, he was an absolute shout to try and really tackle that. Um, the, unfortunately, you know, you, you think back to it, it was a it was a collarbone injury. The first one, when he was over there in England, and you kind of look at the games, um, you know, you think of 2015, 2016, he only played seven and one game. So you got to think that's, you know, nearly... 30 odd games he's missing there you know you know if he goes to try a game or just under he gets the record so it is a big what if to me you know if but you just think about 
I'll, I'll run you through his tallies, right? So from 03 to 18, these are just tries per season, 19, 14, 20, 5 in 06, which is an absolute anomaly because he played 15 games, 14, 18, 10, 12, 16, 18, 12. Then you have the two injury-affected years, 11 in 2017, and his last season, 18, scores 7. He was just mammoth when he was on the field. He was always on a sniff of try. What we, you know, really love about Ryan Pappenhausen today, Billy Slater was doing that on the reg back in the day. You talk about in the way that the open play right now and there were super coaching implications. Are you telling me Billy Slater, even without goal kicking, isn't the number one pick if it was prime Billy Slater getting dropped into today's game? He was just, to me, Billy Slater came at a perfect time, but also just missed the window. He was able to, you know, be playing in 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Who knows if the perception is he could get into the top three because if you think about those two lost seasons and you think about if, you know, there was a little bit more games left in him, he could have easily made top three. But you think about best out of 10 careers, this is easily a nine or a 10. It's right up there. He got everything he wanted, got the Dallium, got the golden boot, multiple premierships, multiple Clive Churchills, which is a very rare feat. Um, yeah, he had it all. And I think he's had a plenty good resume without moving him to today's game. Um, I think he did, he did great in the era he did. He did, he did. Number five, a guy who I originally penciled in number three in the in my initial drafts, and as I kept looking at it, I moved him down slightly, but that is Cooper Cronk at number five. 375 NRL games, second most all time, 16 seasons, 13 peak, 101 NRL tries, so a half back to crack the 100 barrier, 22 games for Queensland, 38 for Australia, two Dally M's, a golden boot, four premierships, one Clive Churchill medalist, and a five-time halfback of the year. Again, another guy who the resume really speaks for itself, but with Cooper, it was methodical, it was classy, it was all those different things that you would expect from a Melbourne Storm halfback. They really brought him through. You know, he didn't look like a superstar when he first initially burst on the scene, you know, played a bit of hooker, played a little bit of halfback off the bench. But when once he got the starting number seven jersey, once Matt Orford left the club, he didn't let it go. He carried that side around tremendously. You know, there's always arguments about who was the better man of the big three. He showed his class when he went to the Roosters for those last two years and obviously won the premierships. And that really gets him into the top five. Those last two Rooster seasons really catapults him into the the upper echelon. Yeah, 100%. I think, if I'm not mistaken, four premierships, that's got to be the record on this list. I mean, to have it at, I guess, back-to-back with the Roosters and then two premierships with the uh, Melbourne Storm as well, it's an incredible feat. Yeah, it's four premierships and it's four premierships where he's the, the the lead playmaker essentially. And you think of that last Roosters one where he was just carrying his broken wing and you know he's being basically the coach on the field, didn't do anything. Yeah, the stats don't look great, but let it be known, like the fact that he was even out there shows that you know the composure that he gave Luke Keery when he was out there. And you know, yeah, he didn't have the biggest playmaking end, but the fact that he was even out there it shows one, the competitor that he is, and two. When he is on the field, you just have to account for him, even at an advanced age of his career. You know, you think the, the best Cooper Cronk moment or the most memorable, you probably think about that field goal in State of Origin, game three to, you know, a 40-plus out, nails it over the middle of the black dot. Exactly what you expect from Cooper Cronk. It's all precise. It's all planned. It's all staged. And when you talk about the execution of a play, the execution of a game, it's top two or three. There's not many better than Cooper Cronk. Yeah, I have no doubt 
that, you know, because he got injured in, I guess, that first game of 2014 Origin, if he was there for the whole series, I don't think New South Wales would have won that one. Oh, it's a great what if, isn't it? You know, if he is on that park, you know, does the dynasty get broken? We'll never know. But yeah, to me, Cooper Cronk is just one of those guys nearly made out of a factory type of thing. You know, what can I give for my best heart back? Got to have a great passing game. We got to have a great kicking game. Defensively, he was a beast. There was not many times that Cooper Cronk got put in his ass. He was always, you know, around that 25 to 30 tackle mark. Not many misses. An absolute complete player. But he does miss out on the top four because I have pushed Darren Lockyer ahead of him. So number four is Darren Lockyer. 304 NRL games, 14 seasons, 10 peak, 123 NRL tries. 36 games for Queensland, 59 games for Australia. That's the record. Two golden boots, three premierships, a Clive Churchill medalist, a three-time fullback of the year, a three-time 5-8 of the year. We'll come back to that. A two-time rep of the year, a Wally Lewis medalist, and a Hall of Fame Australian Rugby League member. The reason why he's number four for me is he basically was the best player in his position three times in two different positions. Like I was saying in the Billy Slater one, he was a fullback and he was a very crafty fullback. He was the world's best fullback. He started bringing that second receiver, the, that bit of playmaking ability to the number one. When he even got moved to the number six, there was a lot of question marks about it, but he walked into the number six. Within a season or two, he was the best six in the game as well. Darren Lockyer is one of the best on-field leaders, not, not, not captain per se. I think there's been you know, arguably better captains than him, but... When Darren Lockyer was on the park, you just felt safe. You felt it was in hand. I think about, you know, the greatest Darren Lockyer moment. There's so many Lockyer moments, but I would say for me, there's two that stick out. Scooping up the loose ball in origin uh, in at the MCG uh, or in Melbourne, wherever it was to, to win that game. A personal one for me is uh, there was a great game between Parramatta and the Broncos it was a back and forth tussle. Darren Lockyer does the little chip kicker across the field for Denon Kemp, who I think it was to scream through and score the try. He was just a big game player for big game moments. That's exactly what Darren Lockyer was. Yeah, that's right. Geez, what I'm noticing about this list is a lot of Queenslanders in that dynasty that's <laughs> on this list. No, no surprise that New South Wales was just in such a dry spell. But yeah, I mean, Darren Lockyer... Um, I got to admit, I didn't catch a lot of him when he was at fullback, but geez, when he was at 5'8", to dominate in two positions as well as he did, I mean, the only other person I can think of would be sort of Brad Fittler who could could dominate, you know, at centre. And then uh, at 5'8", it was was just incredible what Darren Lockyer did. Yeah, fullback, it was was really, when you think about today's game, again, there wasn't many there wasn't many, if any, number ones who were ball playing. You know, there were some fast number ones that could get on the outside of a backline sweep, but Lockyer was the first guy to really put the, in my opinion, the NRL era to really, you know, give the give the fear to the defensive line is he's not just going to take this, he can pass it, uh, he can play make. And that's why Mel, that's why Brisbane was so deadly. You know, you think about his, his three premierships, 98, 2000 and 06, those first two, he was at fullback. And, you know, he was... He was tremendous, and I, I visibly remember when um, you know my, my dad and his mates would be watching the footy at home, and you know when they talked about um, the world's best fullback going into the halves, and they're going, you know, what a weird decision. What like in today's game, would you move Slater to six? You know, would you would you move Turbo to six? You know, these are the type of questions that were asked, and 
he went in there and absolutely nailed and probably had a better career at six than one, you know, when it all ends up shaking out. 304 NRL games. Um, you know, he had had great had a great peak, you know, from 2000 to 2009. There wasn't a better player that you'd want in your team. And again, like you said, it's a great point about all these Queenslanders because really you, you when you look back at all the series losses now, it kind of makes a little bit more sense now that all of a sudden we didn't win those series because you just have the best of the best year after year. You know, you think of Lockyer moved into, you know, some of the guys we're about to talk about, Slater, Kronk, and some of the guys we haven't even mentioned yet. So we'll leave it there for Lockyer, but we're at the top three now, Nom, and I think this top three was pretty standard. This would be many people's top three. It's just what order you have them. I think number one is essentially a wrap in most leagues. So I think we know who number one is. So it is a fight between two and three. I've gone Jonathan Thurston, number three. So Thurston's resume, 324 NRL games, 17 seasons, 12 peak, 2,236 NRL points, 37 games for Queensland, 38 for Australia, 30-30 club, four Dalliums, three golden boots, one premiership, one Clive Churchill medalist, a four-time halfback of the year, a three-time 5A of the year, one-time captain of the year, and a one-time Wally Lewis medalist. So with Thurston, the resume is probably the second best all-time behind number one. You know, what he did between the six and the seven jersey for the Cowboys and then for Queensland and for Australia, immense. You know, the points will be top of the marks for a while. Four Dalliums is going to be very hard to track down. You know, basically going to be, you look at the guys who haven't even got, like, you know, Cleary hasn't got one yet. Teddy's got one. Turbo's got one. They're the kind of main guys you think would be challenging. You've got to think that's another three seasons where you're the undisputed best in the game. And that's what Thurston was for a lot of those years. Basically, from the time he got there in 05, which I think is his first peak year when he takes the Cowboys, that unexpected Cowboys team to the grand final, all the way through to 2016, the year after they won the grand final. Um, he was the best playmaker in the comp. And, you know, you can really debate Kronk. Kronk versus Thurston is a good debate and maybe one front of the podcast. But to me, Thurston with the goal kicking in a in a lesser team, in my opinion, the Cowboys versus Storm, really had to carry the burden. Um, you know, Matt Bowen was there for a while. Matt Bowen faded away. You know, he, he elevated guys like Lachlan Coote, who was a lost cause at the Panthers. Did it with multiple not par- half partners. You know, you think of some of the guys that went through there before Morgan obviously was there. You think of your Robert Louis, you think of your Grant Ravelli's, all these type of guys. He dragged them to success. And to me, that's probably the greatest, the, the greatest teammate in NRL era history. You could probably say that's Jonathan Thurston. Got the most out of his career. You can say that's the most for Jonathan Thurston. He just did it all. And again, I can't stress this enough. There's probably not football in North Queensland without Jonathan Thurston. Yeah, I mean, he probably single-handedly got, got them that, that new stadium up there. Um, but, yeah, with John Thurston, I guess the thing we, we can't talk about John Thurston without what he did in that 2015 grand final. I mean, obviously, look, admittedly, he probably wasn't the best player on the field, but um, that premiership, that 2015 premiership for the Cowboys was just his. I mean, you talked about him dragging a team that's, I guess a lesser team that's not up Melbourne, that's not Roosters. He he owns that premiership. Um, you know, he obviously has that other premiership from um, the Dogs, but to have that premiership and 
yeah, it, it was a perfect fairy tale for him and North Queensland. Yeah, you know, technically he's got two premierships. You know, the fact that he gave away the the Ring of Steve Price is why I only, you know, record book show too, I credit him for one because the one was such an immense premiership. You know, you think about, we've talked about all the greatest moments for these players. Greatest moment, you've got to, it's got to go to that 2015 grand final. They score on the buzzer, the kick to win it from the sideline after the siren. You wouldn't have any other kicker in the NRL history than Thurston. He hits the bar, he hits the post, and all of a sudden, like, it's the confidence shot. All of a sudden, Ben Hunt happens. From the scrum, you see them already lining up for it, and you're going, oh, he just missed a kick. He drills it. And that's exactly what I think of Jonathan Thurston. He he was as cutthroat, you know, to me, probably the best running halfback in the NRL era history when he took off, when he dummied and went. When he dummied and went, there wasn't a better player, you know. Benji was a great running half as well for, you know, stepping and creating space. But Thurston was just... The defense is going to be back because I'm kicking my passing. I'm going to take it and dummy, and he was so successful with it. And yeah, it was it was a tough shout to keep him out of the top two. But the number two man, I had to give it to the man Joey Johns. Uh, 173 NRL games, ten seasons, six peak, 1,584 NRL points, 17 games for New South Wales, 19 for Australia, three Dalliums, two Golden Boots, a Premiership, a Clive Churchill. Three-time halfback of the year, one-time rep of the year, an Australian Hall of Fame rugby league member, and an immortal. So with Joey, the resume just wasn't long enough to keep number one out of his spot. But when you talk about the when a player is on his peak, when when all the players in this on this list that we've spoken about, all hundred, are at their absolute peak, who is number one? It's Joey. You you think to basically 98 to 02, 03. In that range, he cleans up. He gets three Dallium, three Dalliums, two Golden Boots. Obviously, gets the Premiership, and he just missed out on that '97 Premiership, which we're not including here. Um, you know, three to my he was immense. And again, this is a guy who a lot of his career is played prior to 1998, and he still is number two for me because kicking, passing, running, um, goal kicking, pressure situations. If there was if there was a halfback I needed or a player I needed in a high-pressure situation to win me a game, give me Joey. Give me that guy because the talent, and as we learned later in, in his career, you know, he wasn't in the best shape all the time, you know, in terms of recreations or his mindset. You know, he was plagued a lot of his career. Imagine if, like, so maybe we, we'll never know this, but did we get 60% of Joey? Did we get 70% of Joey? And even if that is the case, he's still number two on the list. What could he have done if that was a fully, you know, obviously you ought to talk about the the injury later in the career that cut his career short. You ought to talk about the stint in England. Um, there, there's so many different facets to the Joey story that, you know, the favorite game we play 10 times out of 10, is this the best career you can have? No, no, this would be, I don't know about you, Norm, but this is probably middle of the road for me. This could have been, you know, out of that 173 games in the 10 seasons, best best uh, case is 10 seasons, 10 peak, multiple premierships, a couple more Dally M's. Like, we, I think we just scratched the surface with Joey, and that's ridiculous because he's still number two on the list. Yeah, it is, mate. Um, I think, you know, this is another one where his career was unfortunately cut short and he had that run of injuries between, um, I think, 2004, 2005-ish. 
uh, where he had that that back issue and obviously the way he he's created with the neck issue. But I actually listened to a really good uh, podcast the other day saying that his 2005 season was one of the most underrated of all time in terms of um, apparently he, he got injured midway through, right? And we all think of 05 as you know, he, what he did in that state of origin arena. But he missed out on the Dally M Award by one point to Jonathan Thurston that year. And he won eight games, eight of the last 10 games of the season. Uh, it was incredible. He's one of those guys where just, again, if he, if he was fit and if he was able to go, he was the best player on the field. It didn't matter if he had a bender in Newcastle or not before. It didn't matter if he was coming off injury. It doesn't matter if he hadn't played in the Origin Arena for X amount of time. If he laced up and he was healthy, he was going to be the best player in the park. And I think, you know, I was listening to another great story. I think it was on the Matty Johns podcast. And this sums up Joey to a T when it was up at Newcastle at the old Marathon Stadium, Old Energy Australia, and um, they were versing Parramatta. And Parramatta, this was, you know, early 2000s. So it was like, I think it was Hodgson and Moody at the back. And they were doing, it was in the rain. And they were doing, it was a training session. And Parramatta was training, putting up some bombs. And, they, and the back three kept dropping them. So Maddie and Joey walked over to the park and they're watching them drop these kicks. And Joey just yells, goes, you guys are effed tonight. And later that game, he put up about five bombs and they dropped all five of them. It was, that just tells you the mindset. Like when Joey, when Joey can sense something, you know, the 40-20s, the banana kicks, the little chip kicks in behind, all the different facets to his kicking game, still the best kicker of the ball. There's not even a discussion of who the best kicker of a football is a football is in history. It's him. He he knew every single centimeter, millimeter of that ball and how it could bounce and what it could do for him. Passing was underrated. Running was underrated. Tackling defensively, he could still, you know, hold hold the defenses. Again, I, I there was a I was looking for many ways to put in number one. It just wasn't long enough. Again, if I, if we had ten peak seasons and there was no injuries and there was more, I could have given it to him, but. Um, anyone who says Joey isn't one of the favorite players is lying because he was absolutely the man. Yeah, 100%. And as a Novakashi, I'm not going to debate that with you whatsoever. Well, we move on to number one, mate. It's pretty clear. I think anyone who, as we started this, would have known. Um, the resume speaks for itself. There's not much to say. It's Cameron Smith. It's CS9. 433 NRL games. That is the record. 19 seasons, 16 peak in my opinion, 05 to 2020. 2,810 NRL points. That is the record. 42 caps for Queensland, 56 for Australia, second most. Two Dallium's, two Golden Boots, three premierships, eight times Hooker of the Year, five time Captain of the Year, four time Rep Player of the Year, four time Wally Lewis medalist. Was he the most physically gifted? No. Was he the flashiest player? No. Did he get the most out of his body and the most out of his career? Not a doubt. There's not even a debate. You look at that resume, Norman, there's no discussion as to who number one is. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, going back to your 10 hours game you like to do, uh, this is 110%. I have no doubt that he got every single last drop of what he could get out of his body, out of his career out in this what was it 19 season career 20 season it's it's ridiculous he's got 400 plus games in the NRL making you know, 50 tackles a game I don't think I can add 
really to more to what hasn't already been said about Cameron Smith. Yeah. The the thing about Cameron Smith, 433 games, I can't even really remember I can't even like put a moment of, you know, we talk about like the greatest moments that, that we remember from that player. I can't even really pick one for Cam Smith. There's just been there's been so many. Um, you know, to me, probably the biggest what if on this list is what if Cameron Smith is available for the 2008 grand final? Because that would get it if they win that premiership, he gets to four, and all of a sudden he now ties um, his great mate Cooper, uh, and they both have four there. Obviously, he he would Cronk would have five as well, but um, that you know a player being out of a match probably if you look at it through the NRL era and all the grand finals, there's probably not a bigger omission from a grand final than Cameron Smith. Um, like you said, he's playing in the middle, um, tackling. He ran quite a bit early in his career, late in the career. I loved his workout dummy half, so deceptive. There was no speed about him. You knew what was coming. He was able to do it with his eyes, little quick inside balls at the line. Really the first hooker to really perfect the kick out of dummy half, which is his biggest legacy. That's being the biggest copycat out of all hookers now. You know, you think of Farrow, you think of a guy like Reed Marnie, all these guys, Brendan Smith, all these guys that want to kick now, all followed Cameron Smith. And again, that you can't really debate it. You know, we can always try and you can hot take it and say, no, no, Thurston is number one or John's is number one. But when you look at the resume, what he's done for the game, a model, you know, a model citizen, Cam Smith, hasn't been many, hasn't been many, if any, um, storylines or sagas. He's been, he's been the poster boy for the league, a great interview whenever he is on on an interview or a podcast. He's number one, without a doubt, and he is the best player of the NRL era. Yeah, there's no what-ifs about his career. He pretty much got everything he could get out of it. And it's no surprise that Melbourne currently have two of the best hookers in the game um, because they've just had Cameron Smith mentoring them. That's right. We did it on. We've gone through, in my opinion, the top 100 plays in the NRL era, 10 podcasts, five different uh, levels. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure doing it with you, mate. Thank you for coming on board with this journey. No worries, mate. I'll see you in the preseason for Supercoach. Mate, we got a lot of preseason with the the big boards done. The the draw rankings is another one coming out soon, and I'm gonna have you on plenty of times before the season. Our draft is about oh, is it six weeks away. I think it's six weeks away now. Our draft or five weeks away, so we're getting really close to doing ours two weeks before the season. Thank you everyone for listening. Um, this has been really really fun to do. This is all going to be on our socials at the NRL Rewind on Facebook and Instagram. We're going to get those really chirping this year with every podcast that we do. We're going to try and promote it. Please give us likes. The likes on the Facebook page have gone up. Instagram is there as well. Give that one a follow. We'll be back. I'll be doing lots of little mini pods. Um, you know, we do like to go long sometimes on the pods. I do want to try and keep them some nice short ones just to give you some quick hitters, you know, five to 10 minutes about a random topic here or there, Supercoach and NRL related. I do have a little rewind series going back on players' careers and looking back and, you know, looking at chances and what can happen. So give all the things that we're going to listen to a follow. It's going to be a good journey this year in season two. Norm will be along the way with all the other boys. So thank you everyone for listening. Have a great day and we'll hear from you soon. Cheers.